Knock, knock. Who's there? It's your boys, Travi and Mikey, here with Kaiju Weekly, coming at you. <laughs> what was that? I don't know. I wanted to try something a little bit different. <laughs> I wanted to try something a little bit different. Okay. Uh, hello, everybody. <laughs> If you were going to do that, you should have told me we could have we could have uh, uh, been more invested in the bit. But OK, you do you. Uh, here's a little game for the listeners to play. Which one of us has been drinking? Hmm. Uh- <laughs> I'll give you a hint. Usually it's me. But not this time. <laughs> no, I haven't been drinking. I'm just high on life. <laughs> oh, life cereal? Life cereal. I love life cereal. I do too. I, I, I don't buy it very often, but when I do, it's always a joy whenever I buy life cereal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just tried the new uh, Magic Spoon uh, stuff that I keep seeing advertised. That's not advertising on this podcast, but Magic Spoon, if you want to, I just spent some money on your website. You can you can reimburse me. <laughs> but it's uh, supposed to be like ca- uh, low calorie, low carb, no sugar, no wheat, all that kind of stuff. Oh, no, 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 no. It's really no. good. The, it's really good. Give I was me surprised. the sugariest. Give me the the sugariest, most calorie intensive cereal you can buy. Now, I will admit, as far as cereal goes, and this is totally off topic, audio listener. I'm so sorry, but <clears throat> as far as cereal goes, I won't eat adult cereal. I always eat kids cereal. Does anyone else out there identify with what I'm talking about? Like honey, mm-hmm. uh, not well. The most adult cereal that I eat is Honey Nut Cheerios. I think. I think that's pretty adult uh, for what it is, uh, but it's, but uh, cocoa puffs, cocoa pebbles, uh, Captain Crunch, uh, L- Lucky Charms are some of my favorites, and yeah, I, puffs. I don't ever I buy adult puffs. Oh, I love racist puffs. Oh my god! Um, I think I just manifested a demon just thinking about uh, uh, Reese's Pieces puffs. Welcome to any new listeners to this podcast, um, where we talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Where we introduce you to the wide world of different cereals. <laughs> and uh, no, uh, <laughs> this is Kaiju tell Weekly. Us, tell us, uh, tweet at us at Kaiju Weekly uh, on Twitter uh, and tell us what your favorite cereal is. And if you like adult cereal or kids cereal. Yeah, I remember in school, um, I was in school when the 1998 Godzilla uh, with Matthew Broderick came out, and I actually had to, one of the assignments was to design a cereal box uh, in school, and Mm -hmm. I designed a Godzilla-themed cereal box. So I would probably eat that. Yeah. Yeah, and I didn't know how because because yeah. the internet was still kind of new ish to everyone at the time, and so I didn't know how and we had to include a website, and I didn't know how it, 
websites work. So I just put www.com as the website. Um, <laughs> 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 like, <I don't> <laughs> it's 1998. I don't know. <laughs> oh, the good old days of dial up. But anyway, yeah. Travis, how are you this week? I'm pretty good. Uh, so for any new listeners, sorry that it's nearly five minutes into this episode before we introduce that we talk about giant monster movies and introduce the wide world of giant monster movies. Uh, but if you're a longtime listener, then you already know all that. So who cares? <laughs> you also already know that we go off on these little tangents uh, that have nothing to do with the subject matter sometimes. Uh, but they turn into fun little discussions, hopefully, maybe, or yeah. they're just annoying. I don't know yet. We've, like, we've had not had any, com- any complaints so far. It, well, yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> we've had quite a few tangents this past month on the episodes lately because uh, we've had a few guests on and a lot of the guests we've been just chit chatting with and, and gotten onto some uh, tangents with. We had three of the four hosts of the fake nerds podcast on. We also had uh, Elijah from Kaiju conversations was on for one episode and Nathan from the monster Island film vault was on. So we had Mm -hmm. an entire month full of guests and I, no offense to any of our guests. I love them all, but I am so glad to just be back to basics (laughs) this week. Oh, so yeah, yeah, so am I. They're like I love having guests. So don't get me wrong, I love having guests because I love um bringing in new voices to the podcast and getting in getting a, being able to talk with those people about some of our favorite movies and television shows. But you know, there's there's just something good about just like that one-on-one kind of conversation back to the ba- like you said back to the basics, just Michael and Travis uh, talking about movies, talking about how Clifford's not a kaiju, you know, that kind of stuff. The the basic stuff. Two boys sitting in a podcast, six feet apart because of, never mind, <laughs> because of COVID. Just the good old boys, never meaning no harm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so before we get into our main topic for this week, we have some news items to talk about. So let's cue the BDBD. Oh, this feels good. Cue the BDBD. All right, and the first bit of news that we are going to talk about is some podcasting news. We are less than 500 downloads away from the 10,000 downloads mark. So we are so close to... Uh, We are so close to 10,000 downloads, and we just want to say a big thank you to everyone who has listened to this podcast, who continues to listen to this podcast, the ones who joined us fairly recent, the ones who joined us from the beginning, the ones who joined us from the beginning and heard how awful it sounded early on, and how we've kind of learned how this whole podcasting thing works uh, over time uh because yeah we we kind of kind of had to learn on the go <laughs> uh so. yeah we have and like i was listening to some old episodes the other day and it's because elijah and i were talking about uh, i did a i did an interview uh on his show recently and we were talking about my very first episode which is frankenstein conquers the world and i think it was episode nine yeah episode wow episode nine Dang. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, 
we were talking about that and I was I went back and listened to some of that episode. I'm like, wow, my audio sounds awful. <laughs> and yours was not yours was kind of rough too. So yeah. it's good that, you know, the, it's it's good that the format and our it's good that our format and our sound has slightly evolved over the many, many months that we've been doing this. So yes, thank you everyone for uh, helping us reach uh, 10,000 or 10,000 downloads. So that's, that's a pretty good achievement uh, for a small podcast like ourselves. So yeah, thank you and continue to share with your friends and your relatives and your exes. If you want to torture them, share that with your share our show with your exes because yes. it's it's a good way to do that. If you if you love our show, share it with your loved ones and your significant others. If you mm-hmm. hate our show, share it with your exes to get back at them. Uh, either way, exactly. Share. <laughs> just, just share it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's it's been a lot of fun, and we are on episode seventy eight right now is amazing yeah we're coming up on 80 mm-hmm. two old men two angry old men talking about giant monsters wow oh yeah uh so when we it will we will hit number 80 by the end of this month so that's exciting um but which yeah. we're not very far like yeah we're not very far away from episode 100 which falls sometime in october I think. Yes. Yes. Oh man. And just not only is the podcasting situation going by really fast, the time seems to be flying, but man, this year is going by really fast. So I know it's already June and, and it's like, we've had so much so far. I feel like we've had, we've had Godzilla versus Kong. And then after we got over the hump of Godzilla versus Kong, we have Godzilla singular point to to think about and then once once we're past godzilla singular point then we're not sure what we're gonna look forward to honestly yeah and also i mean just the kaiju ramen magazine has been you know keeping us busy oh yeah that that old thing yeah that old rag too i forgot about that (laughs) Uh. (laughs) speaking of which i did which did want to announce that we have sold out of our second issue printed copies. So if you picked up a printed copy of issue two, congratulations. You were one of the few people who got a printed copy before they sold out. And now that they are sold out, they are no longer available. Uh, so you were one of the, one of the uh, lucky few to grab one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. So I was just going to say thank you just really quickly to everyone who bought a copy because uh, the feedback that we've received from episode two so far has been tremendous and we appreciate it. Uh, we are looking forward to um, getting episode or episode three issue three out to you guys uh, sometime in July. Mm-hmm. Uh, so look out for that. But let me just say this, just because you can't get the physical copies anymore, you can still buy the digital copies because they are going to be there in, fi- they're going to be there all the time. So you can still buy physical, uh, a digital copy, sorry, digital copies, of both issue one and issue two, but it is, but for the time being issues one and two of the physical release are sold out. Yep. Yep, and that's because we wanted to keep it limited. Uh, This is a limited edition type thing, and uh, we wanted to stick to digital for the most part as the majority of what we're uh, doing. But yeah, issue three coming soon. Ooh. 
Uh, moving on to the rest of the news, we've got some uh, new info on the SH Monster Arts Godzilla Ultima figure, uh, which will be receiving a North American release in December. And it is priced right now at $115. And people are going nuts about this figure, Michael, because it looks really cool. It does look really cool. Um the only other Ultima figure that we've seen so far has been the uh, the movie monster series Bandai that came mm-hmm. out a few months ago, right before right before the show debuted, and um, yeah, I mean th- this is a really this is a really beautiful uh, figure. I was asking, or not not I was asking, but someone was asking me uh, where they can get theirs. And I said, well, I mean, they're going to be available for, they're going to be available. I want to say direct, usually, uh, you can buy SH monster arts from Amazon, uh, or you can go, which, which is what something I like to do is I like to go like, uh, these local shops, not local shops, but online shops that are based in the United States, like awesome collector and flossies and things like that. Cause they'll usually have, um, uh, SH Monster Art stuff on their website. In fact, let me check real quick here. Um, in fact, it, I'm looking at one now. If you order from awesomecollector.com, uh, you can get yours for $109 with free shipping. So that's a little bit cheaper. There you go. Oh, nice. Nice. So yeah, this is this is a really awesome looking figure. Uh, the the just the length of the tail alone like because the the, oh yeah that is a massive tale yeah because uh and if anybody doesn't know what godzilla ultima is that is the official quote-unquote name for the uh singular point godzilla from the Mm -hmm. from the singular point series and so this is the godzilla Mm -hmm. that we see in that series and the tail is really massive i love the fact that the jaws actually open as wide as they do in the in the anime because that's one of the things that we that we saw in like promotional art and everything for the Godzilla Ultima for the anime is that he has like this hinged jaw that that he almost like a snake where it just uh, you know, like he can open it so massively wide and then the the essay mm-hmm. monsters art figure actually has a jaw that can open that wide and it's so cool. Yeah, I mean the sculpt on this thing is beautiful. Uh, it looks it looks to be it looks to be super accurate. I have been watching Singular Point so far up to this. I think I'm up to. I just watched episode eleven the other day, uh, and it's been a fantastic series. I know I've said this before on 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 cast, but I'm looking forward to uh, I'm looking forward to us reviewing it and talking about it and doing the cross promotion with our friend Nathan. Uh, about singular point i'm looking forward to that because i really 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 have enjoyed uh what i've seen so far yeah yeah it's 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 been a fun show uh, i still haven't watched all of it because i've been waiting uh, i watched the first couple episodes and then i was like oh, i'm gonna wait until it gets a north american release and so soon coming soon it will be available on Netflix. i think you'll be pleasantly surprised i was one of those people that was skeptical going into it i'm like i don't want to watch that that looks stupid but <laughs> after I'm, a, I'm i'm 11 episodes in and um uh i'm pretty invested i'm not as invested as some people some of our friends in the in the podcasting realm i'm uh but 
I'm I'm enjoying it so far, and you know this figure looks fantastic. Uh, I don't think I think 150 between 100 109 to 115 dollars is about uh, about what you would expect from an SH Monster Arts. Which, if anyone is not familiar with SH Monster Arts, they are a super articulated uh, line of six to eight inch figures. I want to say that this one is in the six inch range or eh, it's about seven inches tall. The, the spec sheet on it says it's going to, it's about, uh, 6.49 inches, which at, which is about 16.5 centimeters. Um, the tail alone ma- measures 17 inches. That is a massive tail for a toy. I think, mm-hmm. um, not even, even Shin's even Shin's tail was not that big. Um, anyway, I digress. But yeah, the 115 to under nine to 115 dollars for something like this is reasonable. It's what you would expect uh, from a highly detailed, highly arch- articulated uh, figure line. You can also, I think, there's a couple places online you can get them. I think I don't know if they've shown up on Amazon yet, but. Uh, you can get them on kaijulive.shop and Awesome Collector now. So, um, yeah, pre-order, get them while they last, because I imagine that just like the Mechagodzilla from Godzilla vs. Kong, um, they're going to be going, going very, very fast. So, yep, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the next bit of news that we have <clears> is just a real quick. We have an updated release date for Godzilla vs. Kong in Japan. Uh, the updated release Finally. date. Finally. Yeah. The updated release date right now is July 2nd. That is when it's going to be released in, in uh, Japan, if all goes well. <laughs> it's still like, uh, could 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 get delayed again. <laughs> It's by the. It's funny to think that by the time it comes out in Japan and these other and some of these other countries, I think I think there's a. I think there's more than Japan that's delayed. Correct? Yeah, uh, I think uh, uh, there's a, like France or Germany just got it like this weekend, I think. And so yeah, there's been mm-hmm. a few that's been really delayed. Yeah, it's it's really weird to think that by the time it comes out as a physical release on Blu-ray, that it will have just hit Japanese theaters, which is crazy and just an unfortunate side effect of uh, what the world has had to go through over the last year and a half or yeah. two years. Has it been two years? It feels like two years. It's been about two <laughs> it years. Feels real- yeah, we're getting to <laughs> It feels like it's been a really long time. Yeah. Oh man. I know. I know. It's so crazy. Uh, but yeah, so, so hopefully if all goes well, uh, you know, ones in Japan, will get to see it in theaters, uh, you know, but make sure that you, whatever way you watch it, you're staying safe. That's, that's the main thing. As long as you're staying safe while enjoying this movie, that's the main, uh, thing we want to, to extend out to everyone who might be listening. Um, Next bit of news, we have some box office news. Uh, We don't really talk about box office news very often because we don't really have a lot of major, major box office uh, hits when it comes to uh, giant monster movies. But I wanted to talk about A Quiet Place 2. Now, Mm -hmm. this movie has actually smashed the opening weekend record that Godzilla vs. Kong had. Godzilla vs. Kong right. was the highest grossing film 
uh, in a in a in a post COVID era. Uh, but uh, um, the numbers that Godzilla versus Kong earned in its first uh, three day weekend, ten days. Well, oh. no, 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 no. In the first three day weekend, uh, was only thirty two point two million. Uh, the first three day weekend, the three day weekend of uh, A Quiet Place Two earned it forty eight point four million. So it actually earned more in the first three days than Godzilla vs Kong did in its first three days. Um, which. Yeah, which is which makes a lot of sense because, uh, <clears throat> you know, people were sort of dipping their toes back in the water about getting into theaters when GVK came out. And now that The Quiet Place 2 has come out, which was a very popular movie ab- amongst general audiences uh, back when the original came out a couple of years ago. Uh, it's no surprise that it's going to hit. It, it's made big numbers this weekend and good for it. It's it. Uh, Quiet Place 1 was a good movie. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Quiet Place 2. I have not yet, um, but I've I heard so many great things about it. I have seen it, and yeah. Yeah, uh, you told me it was really good. It, it is, uh, and I'm just going to leave it at that because I don't want to spoil anything for anybody, but it, it is really good. Uh, yeah, so so that, that, this is really interesting to me because uh, A Quiet Place the first one was kind of a, a, a sneaky hit. Like, like no one expected it to, to do as well as it did. Uh, and it was a, it was a relatively low budget film uh, for, for the amount of money that it earned, you know, was, was just amazing. And then this, the sequel comes out. I expected the sequel to do well because the first one did so well. I didn't expect it to do this well, especially during a pandemic. Right. Also, I was I thought there would be a lot more people who were like, well, there's no reason to that. We don't need a sequel to that when the first one was so good on its own. We don't really need a sequel. So I'm not going to bother going to see it. So I figured there would be some of those holdouts like that. But the fact that it made it, it almost made the same amount of money as the first film did on its opening weekend. And the first film came out in a pre pandemic time period. So it's like that it just it, it's just amazing. It shows that there is a market for monster movies. Yes. Yeah, there's there's a market for it. And I think it's just a I think it's just a really interesting it's just a really interesting thing to think about. Like people are just as things tend to open more up. Like we're in we're in week 2 or 3 now of um things being more and more open here in the United States. We can only speak for the place. We can only, let me preface this by saying we can only speak for the place here in the United States right. for people uh, being able to get out more and do more things. And just the CDC has basically said, Hey, if you're vaccinated, go and live your life. And it seems like people are actually doing that. And, you know, the movie going experience is a part of that. So it's really good to see people flocking into fleet flocking into theaters um, to mm-hmm. watch movies like Godzilla versus Kong and the quiet place. It really is because that just means, like you said, that there is a market for monster movies and it's just really good to see as a, as a, as someone who loves sci-fi, who's someone who loves monster movies, who's always loved those things. It's really great that the general audiences now are, are watching those things in droves. It seems like. 
Yeah, yeah, and I hope that it sends a signal to studios saying uh, that that monster movies are a viable option. You know that that they can make you know more monster movies uh, in the future, and and, mm-hmm. and not just monster verse. Like of course, you know we we hashtag continue the monster verse was going around for a long time. It's still kind of going around, but but uh, but even just outside of the monster verse, the Godzilla legendary films, but just even original monster movies like a quiet place or, you know, when we had Cloverfield back in the day, you know, things like that. Just, I would, I want to see more monster movies. I want to see more monster movies that do well and that people will go and see, because like we talked about with uh, Brandon last week, when talking about Pacific Rim, you know, uh, United States is not really, doesn't really have a big monster movie culture. Like we don't really, you know, rush out to the theaters to see a lot of monster movies. And I want that to change. Yeah. We revel, we revel in superhero movies. Like it's, you know, you're more, you're, you're Superman, you're Batman, you're Spider-Man, you know, those, and, and that's those what been what the last get America last 10 to 12 years that we've had that too. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah, nerd culture with those movies has really only been a thing for like a decade, maybe a little over a decade at this point. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I'm just hoping that you know, like, and as much as I, I do love superhero movies, I, and I don't want those to go away, but I do want more monster movies to to start being treated with more respect and and being viewed as like a viable option and not just cheap fare that that like very few people take seriously. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 I would like to see, necess- not, I would like to see sort of a renaissance come back, like what we had with the 50s and 60s, uh, of all these monster movies and all these fantasy movies popping up, like, all over the place and all over theaters. And, you know, it was the time of the drive-in where you would, <clears throat> where you would go to the drive-in and watch these, these scary monster movies with your date. And it was just a good time. I kind of want to, I want, I kind of would like to see a time where we kind of get back to that and more monster movies and more science fiction and things like that become more, uh, mainstream again. Um, because it just feels, I personally feel like the, the movie selection these days is pretty boring. Like it's all the same stuff. So mixing it up with a monster movie every now and then feels like a good idea, but only time will tell if, uh, if people receive a quiet place, uh, too really well, uh, then maybe we'll get more things like that. And then, you know, I know, um, there, I know that this is not really a monster movie, I guess, but don't, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, not Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, the the Netflix movie. That's oh, out oh now. Army of um, the Dead. Army of the Dead. Yeah, that seems to be uh, really popular at the moment. So uh, either that, either that, or it's just really good mark. Either it's just really good marketing, or they're really good at marketing. So I think it's really good marketing. Anyway, I, I just <laughs> probably I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it yet, so I'm gonna have to watch it. Uh, I tend to watch it. But anyway, uh, yeah, I just I just want more monster movies in theaters because I just would like to see that. I would like to see us go back to a time similar to the fifties and sixties where we had more monster movies. Yeah. Yeah. And going along with that, uh, we have a, uh, a report coming from deadline that says that Paramount has set a March 
2023 release date for A Quiet Place Part 3. Not surprised that they are going ahead with a Part 3 because uh, John Krasinski has already said that he does have a plan for a third one. If they if they allowed him to do a third one, he had a plan for it. And so and with again, we're talking about how much or how well the second one's doing. And again, it's not it's not the biggest budget, so it's not like they're having to spend a ton of money on these movies anyway. Uh, so yeah, it's no surprise at all that they are going ahead with a with a third one, and uh, and so we can look forward to that coming out in twenty twenty three. Yeah, yeah, I, I think, but I, I don't want to I don't want to be the party pooper here, but I kind of want them like I haven't like I said I haven't seen part two yet, so maybe my opinion will change, but. I kind of want them to stop at three because I feel like the more sequels you do of a certain film franchise, like take saw, like take saw, for example, Mm -hmm. the, it was, it was like a, it was like the law of diminishing returns with saw. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, There, there are diminishing returns when it comes to thriller type movies, you know, and horror movies, there are a lot of diminishing returns when it comes to sequels. Um, however, I do think that they will stop at three, um, not spoiling anything, but I, it feels like this is a three part, uh, story that John Krasinski wants to tell. And I think when he's done telling all three parts, he's done. Cause like, he hasn't said anything about like, Oh, I have a plan for, you know, a series. I haven't, I don't have a plan. I have a plan for a spinoff. He doesn't said anything like that. He said he has it written down. He has, he has written a part three so that the studio okayed it. He would have a part three ready to go. And that's all he has said. So I, I think that he had these three stories planned out kind of already. And, this is and and that's going to be the end of it that's going to be his complete story yeah yeah who knew uh who knew little old jim from the office could uh could be a successful uh uh screenwriter or a director yeah yeah he's good he's really (laughs) good like these movies are good good. yeah he's 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 a good actor he's good all around like i just i really like him he's really good uh i will say one thing though uh just watching a quiet place and a quiet place part two uh he has really good fear face like the face he makes when he's scared like when you know when you're scared he has he does that face really well (laughs) like you really when when the camera zooms in on his face and he is like acting scared you feel it (laughs) so he has very good fear face uh but we will talk about a quiet place and a quiet place too in a future episode uh we've already got it planned out for a future episode so look forward to that but that's it for the news so now we can get into our main topic for this week all right so our main topic is uh, before we get it, before we actually announce our main topic, we like to ask trivia questions uh, each week to hint to what our uh, topic is each week. And the trivia question that I asked last week, hinting to this week's episode, was: What 1961 film featuring giant animals is set during the American Civil War? And we got quite a few answers from people. Uh, so. We're going to read out these answers and give them a shout out because that's one of the things that we do for people who answer our trivia questions. 
Starting with uh, Giant Monster BS, our friends over at the Giant Monster BS podcast, they sent in the misunderstood Gamera precursor, Glory versus Guiron, and they sent in a nice uh, photoshopped poster of the movie Glory with uh, Guiron's uh, face <laughs> photoshopped into it. It was really good. <laughs> <laughs> all right guys good job good at least you're trying this week I, I'm, I applaud you for that yeah it was good it made me laugh made me laugh uh elijah sent in mysterious yeti island and Ooh. and elijah also sent in another answer but you know what elijah you only get one so i'm not reading out the other one yep you only get one Sorry, don't, don't sneak. Try to sneak in another answer. Don't try to sneak in another one uh, using an alternate account with a different name, like you know something fake, like Jimmy from NASA or uh, Raymond Martin uh, <laughs> or uh, the Monster Island Film Vault. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Um, anyway, uh, Kaiju Kim uh, sent in a Saving Private Clifford. Yay! Uh, that's a World War Two film, Kim. That's 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 not uh, a Civil War film. <laughs> oh, spoiler! In that one, Clifford dies. Just for anyone wondering, was Clifford uh, Tom Hanks all along? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, he was actually Matt Damon. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jimmy from NASA sent us Abraham Lincoln, a kaiju hunter. Nice work, Jimmy. Nice try. Good job. Nice one, Jimmy. Nice one, Jimmy. I know what I see. What I see you. I see what you're going for. No, I mean, it's a play on, you know, Abraham Lincoln, vampire hunter, which was a thing. Yeah, I've seen it. It's it. It's a horrible movie. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't see it and I could, but I can imagine. <laughs> Uh, Nathan from the Monster Island Film Vault sent us Godzillas and Generals. Nice work. Which is a play on Gods and Generals, which is actually a really good movie. How dare you, Nathan, insult that movie? <laughs> I mean, I don't think he was insulting it. I think he was just using it. No, not really. <laughs> enhancing it. I, enhancing it with the Godzilla. Uh, Crystal Lady Jessica sent us Gunblaze West, which I'm guessing is an anime because she's always sending us anime stuff. Must be, it has to be. I am not the biggest anime fan, so I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna pass that one off to you. Well, I like anime, but I don't know what that one is. So, uh, <laughs> Raymond Martin sent in Dances with Kaiju. Oh, okay, I get it. Play it's uh, one of my well actually I actually like Dances with Wolves so it's a good movie it's yeah long but it's a good movie yeah uh, Kevin Costner uh, Godzilla and and he he falls in love with a Godzuki and uh, ends up fighting for the for the kaiju instead of against the kaiju <laughs> and it turns out it turns out it was Mothra all along yeah maybe the Mothra is the friends we make along the way. Uh, <laughs> maybe <laughs> Madison Russell sent us obviously the one with giant dogs and the most tragic villain character ever uh, and they sent us the poster of 101 Dalmatians <laughs> okay this is not kaiju related but sure Cruella wait 
Are you no Cruella? No, Cruella is not a kaiju. No, it's not. No, it's not. I said it's not kaiju related. But let's talk about this for just oh, a okay. second. Let's just take a couple of minutes to talk about this. Okay, have sure. you? I know you haven't seen the sure. movie. So not yet. No. Have you heard the spoiler about like the the stuff that was going around on the internet and why everybody was upset about the movie? Uh, no. Okay. Uh. Uh, spoiler for Clifford, or for Clifford. Why did I say Clifford? <laughs> uh, it's fine. It's it's a dog. It's all dogs. So go uh, ahead. hit me with hit me with it. Uh, spoiler for Cruella. Um, her mother was killed by a Dalmatian, and that's why she hates Dalmatians. Uh, okay. And so I tweeted out the other day that my mother was killed by chicken nuggets. That's why I must devour every chicken nugget that comes across that I come across. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a weird, it's such a weird, I I was, (laughs) I was, I looked at that tweet and I said, what? (laughs) Yeah. It's, I just kind of, I just kind of, and I just kind of moved on. I was like, okay, he must be having an episode again. Okay. Uh, it's like, oh, Travis is having an episode. Uh, yeah. When uh, I ha- just, well, just let, let's let him work through it. Yeah. Um, no, I just, <laughs> it's such a, there were so many memes going around about that. And, and I, I, I'm not judging the movie. Like I haven't seen the movie. Cruella might be a masterpiece i don't know but that is such a weird thing and i love the memes that came from it so i had to talk about it for just a second <laughs> uh i do love emma stone I'm not gonna lie like i do love emma stone emma stone doing a british accent heck yeah mm. heck yeah it depends on if she can do it well she seems to be doing well it actually well. i don't care like yeah you know, i i she could be speak she could speak Yiddish for all I care. I just like it. <laughs> I mean, she seems to be doing it well in the trailers. Like, like she really does seem to be doing a very good job. So, Hey, uh, I, I do want to see it. I just hadn't gotten around to seeing it. Uh, anyway, back to Kaiju, uh, at skittish prey sent us the answer. Clifford, the big red badge of courage dog. Now that's actually, that's actually really clever. Yep. It's a nice play on, it's a it's a nice play on uh, on Clifford and the Red Badge of Courage and maybe Courage the Cowardly Dog maybe maybe if we're gonna assume maybe maybe it's a it's a three point uh it's a it's a three point pun that that is that's impressive uh Damon Noise uh sent us Rebel Scum the Birth of Hedora I'd watch that yeah. Although I mean, we did kind of see the birth of Hedorah in uh, in in the movie, in in Godzilla versus Hedorah. Hedorah. It's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, no gods and no monsters podcast sent us the outlaw Josie Wales, which I had to look up. I didn't know what this was. Uh, it's a Clint Eastwood movie. I was gonna say, is this a real reference to something? Because I saw it in the notes. I'm like, is that? Re- it sounds real. It sounds like it's a legitimate thing. Yep, it's a Clint Eastwood movie. Uh, I am not as uh, I am not as versed in western slash Clint Eastwood slash those anyway those types of movies uh, as I am with monster movies. So that uh, that one that one went over my head until I had to look it up. But uh, but thank you for sending us in the answer. It was a good one. It was a good one. 
Uh, and it then was. we get into the ones who actually answered it correctly, um, which we're going to give a shout out to them too. We might as well. <laughs> uh, Aqua Slug. I mean, we don't we don't have to. We don't yeah, have to. Yeah, I mean, we could just answer, just read out the funny answers, but nah, nah. We get we shout out everyone, whether you get it right, okay, wrong, fine. or funny answer. Uh, Aqua Slug sent in the mysterious island. Uh, Kaiju Knight 42 sent in Mysterious Island, aka Food Chain to the Beach. Uh, and then. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. And then this Stephen Allman uh, sent in the Mysterious Island. And you guys are correct. We are talking about the Mysterious Island from 1961, directed by Cy Enfield, starring Michael Craig, Joan Greenwood, Michael Callan. Callan? Is that how you say his name? Callan? Callan. Callan, yes, I think Callan. so. Uh, Gary Merrill. We'll just go with Callan. Uh, Gary Merrill, Dan Jackson, and special effects by Ray Harryhausen. The plot breakdown is, during the Civil War, a group of Union soldiers and two Confederates. That's wrong. That's wrong. IMDB, IMDB, what are you doing? What are you doing? Just one Confederate. Yeah. Uh, okay. During the civil war, a group of union soldiers, a Confederate soldier and a war, uh, a war correspondent, uh, escape the stockade using a hot air balloon and end up on a strange Pacific Island. Very basics. IMDb. I, I need to stop taking the, the, the plot breakdowns from IMDb. They're, they're really trash. <laughs> maybe we should just, maybe we should just start writing our own. Uh, plot breakdowns and then try to Ugh. try to make them as humorous as possible but that's more work for me and i don't want to do it i already oh come on work. travis i write oh, come on. I, Look, think, did, I write trivia questions didn't I write you and steven do <laughs> didn't you and steven used to do something similar like you would just uh you would say steven give us the plot breakdown and steven would just say this guy and this girl go to an island and uh, they see a giant monster and uh, chaos ensues. That was pretty much that was pretty much y'all's plot breakdowns for uh, for the first like dozen or so episodes. Yes, yes, that's what we used to do. Um, and then I started just stealing them off of IMDb because it was uh, easier. Uh, no, we might go back to doing that. <laughs> that. That might be that might be a way to do it. okay, okay, Michael, okay, Big Mouth. You give us the plot breakdown for <laughs> the mysterious island. <laughs> okay, in night in the Civil War era, uh, a group of in, rag in nineteen uh, whatever uh, the Civil War, you know, the Civil War that happened in the nineteen hundreds. Yeah, the Civil War that that time in history where all the stuff happened with the North and the South. We won't get into it here. Um, they were they hop on a balloon. They sail across the ocean. They land on an island full of fantastic beasts. They kill a crab. They eat said crab. They meet two beautiful women, and they try to build a wonderful life together. And then later on, they discover a madman in a submarine who all, who only wants to destroy boats and also make like so genetically engineered giant creatures too. Apparently, yes, apparently. Uh, so, uh, opening thoughts. Um, my opening thoughts is, uh, this is a Ray Harryhausen movie. So of course it's good. Of course. Uh, it just feels really good to get back to something like this. 
uh, I was looking while we while you were doing the cast and crew list. Uh, I was looking at our list of episodes thus far this year, and we've done a lot of like we've done a lot of more modern movies and stuff that's like more I guess more contemporary, and it just feels good to get back to basics and do just a a good old Harryhausen film. Yeah, when, uh, when I'll was, be honest with you. When was the last Harryhausen film? Uh, uh, before this, it was. Oh, geez, was it? Uh, it wasn't. It came from beneath the sea. I want to say it was before that. It was something else before that. Uh, but it's been God. It's been almost a year. Yeah, it's got to be. Um, it was probably twenty million miles to Earth, maybe. Yeah, it was twenty. Yeah, it was twenty million miles to Earth. That was the last one we did. Because that was in 1958, uh-huh. I think. Let me pull this up. So it has to be that one. Uh, but while you're looking it up, uh, I mean, it's just been a, it's just been a while since we've done like a classic creature feature like uh, Mysterious Island. And I'll be honest with you, Mysterious Island was not was not ever high on my list of quote unquote favorite Harryhausen films. They're all like I love I love and adore all Harryhausen films. Just for the 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 technical majesty that it, that they that they offer. Um and but Mysterious Island is not one of those that I pick up often. So after watching it this weekend, I'm thinking I need to watch this more often because it actually is a pretty good little movie. It's 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 complex. There's like a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on. A lot of people just like the the movie itself is famous for that crab scene. That's the one thing that people remember the most about this movie, but there's a lot more to it than that. It's like um it's it's like Robinson Crusoe meets I don't know. Um 20,000 leagues meets a creature feature. I don't know. I can't, uh, I'm trying to think of a, a creature, like a classic creature feature off the top of my head. But I mean, there's, there's giant animals, but it's sort of like, um, I would put mysterious Island in the category as uh, maybe Atragon where there are monsters, but the monsters aren't necessarily the focus. The monsters are there to add spectacle, but, the there's a there's a whole other plot going on and there's a whole other mystery going on that we'll touch on that we'll you know kind of get to a little bit later uh outside of just them trying to survive against these giant creatures yeah yeah um by the way the last harryhausen film we did was seventh voyage of sinbad and that was back in october oh wow wow yeah it's been a while and i don't even remember and I don't even honestly I, I forgive me but I don't even remember what score we gave that one. Uh I don't either. I'd have to pull up the show notes and see but uh I was just looking at the schedule and and uh seeing that but yeah. Yeah, we um so we've anybody who's new to the podcast or hasn't been listening for a long time. We've been um we've been going through the Harryhausen films little by little. Yeah, you know, we're taking it slow, but we're going in order. We're actually going in release order. Uh, and so this is the next one in the order. Um, and that's why we're doing this one now. But uh, one of the things I love, and I talk about it every time we do a Harryhausen film, but one of the things I love about going through these movies in order from you know the earliest to the latest is that mm. you see 
the experimentation that Harryhausen does because you see his like he, he hones his craft. He really uh, get you know you see him develop his skill as a stop motion artist, and then when he gets to that level of Harryhausen the Great and the you know the one that we know and love, then he experiments and does something different each movie. And I just I, I find that insanely fascinating. Uh, and this movie mm-hmm. was this movie had that there was a few moments in this movie where I was like, oh, you know, if you if you put this into the context with the other Harryhausen films we've already done, we've never seen anything like that before. This is the first time he that he's done that. Um, there's a scene where um, I can't remember the character's name. I can't. I'm bad with character names, but the young guy jumps on the back of the giant bird. And oh, Herbert. Yeah. Uh, and that's the that's the first time you get a human character kind of like riding on the back of of a uh, of a of a stop motion monster like that in a Harryhausen film. Yeah, and um, one of the interesting things, and this is pretty common knowledge now, I think, uh, the crab that this film is sort of famous for. If you notice, the coloring on that crab is red. Like living crabs are not that color, right? Um, that is ac- that is actually, if I'm not mistaken, I have to go back and read to know for sure. But I'm going off of memory here. Um, if I'm not mistaken, that is an actually that is an actual cooked crab that Harryhausen um, used to animate. That is not a maquette. That is an actual cooked crab that they got at a market somewhere, mm-hmm. boiled it, ki- killed it, boiled it, and then they u- and then used it as a prop. Yeah, they used the shell and they built the the armature inside the shell uh, and put the shell around mm-hmm. it. Yeah, yeah, and so that's why it looks so realistic because it is a real crab. Um, yeah, this this movie. I hope they ate it before they. Yeah. I hope they. I hope they were able to eat it before they were before they did all that to the shell. Yeah, I hope so too. Um, so one of the things I do want to say about this movie, though, it when people are listing out like their favorite Harryhausen films, you don't hear this one mentioned as much. And I wonder if, and I think a big reason in my opinion is because the creatures in this are not characters the way that they are in other films. That and they're and the creatures in this aren't necessarily as memorable either. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You have, they're not, it's not, you're not getting the, because you have yeah. Yeah. And you're not getting You're not like getting Pegasus and, and the, and the, and the Kraken and right. you're not even in Valley of Guanji, you're not getting the Allosaurus from the Valley of Guanji. Uh, you know, it's, right. it's like you're getting this movie. I mean, don't get me, don't get me wrong. I respect the, the, I respect the creatures in this movie and the, and the work that was done on them because it all looks great. Uh, but in this, you have a crab, uh, a murder bird, uh, the scientific name for it, I can the the scientific name for that prehistoric bird is escaping me, so I'm I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, and a giant bee, and that's oh, and a um, oh, and a shellfish at the bottom of the sea. Yeah, which the cephalopod. I used to know. I used to know, the cephal yeah the cephalopod at the bottom of the of the ocean when they're uh, trying to uh, float the boat. Um, 
But that's pretty much it. In fact, I for in fact I forgot that there was I forgot that the cephalopod was even in this. After the bee, after the scene with the bee, I was like, okay, well that's it for all the creatures in this movie. And then the cephalopod under the ocean shows up. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. This did have an undersea monster too. Okay, but other than that, the I think it's I think you're right, Travis. These 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 monsters, these creatures, these animals, really, because. Um, Harryhausen never called them monsters. He either called them creatures or he called them animals, um, in his interviews. So mm-hmm. these animals, um, aren't super memorable. They're not actual characters. They're, they're, they're animals. Um, whereas in, uh, uh, 20 million miles to earth, the Emir is a very sympathetic character in the movie. Yeah, yeah, and that's one of the things that we we have in our previous episodes where we've talked about the Harryhausen films. Uh, we have praised the fact that he always adds a personality and kind of a character to all of the creatures that he that he makes. Um, but this seems to be kind of the exception in that because you don't get a lot of personality from these from these animals from these giant animals, and that so so. The, that means two things that that puts two, that that's two things I want to mention because of that because of that one this movie kind of is is lackluster when it comes to the Harryhausen effects because while they are fantastic because it's Harryhausen hello they're not as memorable they don't really jump out to you the way that the other you know, like we said, we mentioned a few of them, the Kraken, uh, the Cyclops, the, the Retosaurus, the Emir, all of these things, uh, they don't really stick with you the way that those do. The other one is, I also think this might be the strongest film compared to other Harryhausen films when it comes to like writing, acting, and dialogue. And story. And story, yeah. And overall story. I think that while... Yes, the Harryhausen effects are not as as you know memorable as some of his other works. I think that the film actually makes up for it by being a better film and more engaging film. So, so you're saying that this is the Monster Zero of the Harryhausen catalog? Mm, it might be. It might be. Although mm, because. Because comparing it to Monster Zero, you have a great story, you have a great human cast, you have you have an you well, you have an interesting plot line, you have an interesting you have interesting plots running throughout that movie, but the kaiju aren't a they're a part of it and they're a and they're a big plot point, but they don't but they're not around all that much. Right, right, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I think, uh, I think, yeah, this would be kind of like the Monster Zero of of Harryhausen's filmography, uh, because, yeah, yeah, I or think- maybe even, um, maybe even Atragon. I think we, I, in, in my opening statement, I mentioned Atragon, where, um, this is not, this is a, this is a movie with creatures in it, but this is not necessarily a creature feature, right? Sort of like Atragon. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it is it is a lot like that um and and in that way it's a lot like Twenty Thousand leagues from uh, under the sea um because that's yeah. another one that yeah the most famous part about that story and that movie is the giant squid but that's also a very small part of a much bigger much more interesting story so yeah yeah mm-hmm. and and uh and this 
I think another reason why this movie is really well done is because this is already a story uh, that's well written <laughs> to begin with, uh, because this this is based on Jules Verne. You know, this is based on Jules Verne's uh, story, The Mysterious Island. And I was looking. I have uh, I have uh, a big book of Jules Verne stories. It's Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea and other Jules Verne stories. And I was looking in here to see which ones were included in this big book because I haven't actually read it yet. Um, none of them are The Mysterious Island. So I've got Five Weeks in a Balloon. Journey to the Center of the Earth, From Earth to the Moon, Round the Moon, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, and Around the World in 80 Days. Interesting. Okay. So I don't have... Which, I haven't, if, if, if Mysterious Island is supposed to be a loose sequel to 20,000 Leagues... You would think that he would... You, you would have think that it would include Mysterious Island. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I some of my favorite moments in this movie probably are the the captain nemo and the moments where you you get that like crossover between this and Twenty Thousand leagues under the sea mm. and uh i also yeah because that is that's what this film is building to it's what this film is building towards because you're immediately uh i mean they don't waste any as far as when they get to the island goes they don't waste any time sort of just just setting the setting the 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 plot for this little mystery that's uh that's taking place like it starts with the fire that's built beside of the sea captain that was dragged from the sea you later learn on you later learn in in the film that it was actually captain nemo that saved the captain from drowning uh, mm-hmm. and built the fire to keep him warm on the beach and it was you know it, it's a good little mystery that builds throughout the uh, throughout the movie. And um, <clears throat> I had to actually rewind it and pay attention to see if it was, uh, it was during the scene where um, Herbert is riding the, the death, uh, riding the, um, uh, the, the bird. Yeah. The, the, bir- uh, the, the, the death, chicken. The, the murder, the death chicken. Yeah. The death. We'll just call it the death chicken. He was riding <laughs> the death chicken or he was trying to choke the death chicken. Um, and um, you hear, I thought I thought you heard a gunshot, but I was not a hundred percent sure. And then later on, they're eating the bird, and they're like, "Oh, that oh, this must have this bird must have swallowed rocks." And the captain's like, "That's not a rock, that's a bullet." He's like, "Well, who fired the gun?" Um, like mm-hmm. I thought the gun jammed when uh, I think it, Margaret, if I'm not her, uh, Mary, her, is her name, Mary. her name was Margaret, Mary. Mary, Lady Mary. Okay. When Lady Mary tried to fire the gun, the gun jammed and no one fired the gun. And then I thought I heard a gunshot when the bird crashed through the fence, but I was not hundred percent sure. So I had to rewind it to, to see. And I think there is an actual gunshot there, but it was really, um, <clears throat> it was really well disguised even in the sound mixing. Mm-hmm. Um, when the bird crashed through the fence, they didn't have to do that. Uh, they could have just played the gun sound and then the act and then the actors could have just ignored it and just was like, well, I didn't hear a gun sound, but they hit it really well when that whole sequence is taking place. And there is a gunshot uh, that you can, an audible gunshot you can hear, which kind of adds to that mystery that we later on find out that it was Captain Nemo that actually killed the bird for them. Yeah. And you get the, um, the, the chest full of supplies that's sent to them. 
uh-huh. and things like that. Like there, there's so many things and, and it just slowly builds and builds and builds until you finally get the big reveal of Nemo walking onto the beach uh, in his scuba gear. And it's it's really, really fantastic. It's a really well done storytelling. Um, how it just builds like that. Uh, I want to ask you, of the characters that we have uh, in this movie, who is your favorite character? I don't know. Um, I, I thought, I thought the Confederate soldier was a pretty good character. And so was the captain. Um, the captain was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Confederate soldier, which his name escapes me. I can't remember. Um, um, the, the, the single Confederate soldier. Mm-hmm. Um, <sighs> Captain ne- this Captain Nemo, I'm going to be honest. I think I like the Captain Nemo from the, uh, from the actual 20,000 leagues movie more. I like that actor that played him more in that film, mm-hmm. um, than in the mysterious Island. Uh, so I'm going to have to probably go with the captain. um, and uh and of course the girl what was her name the the pretty one uh, uh, elena <laughs> elena <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh the the elena which so uh, you know in this in in a movie like this it's it's typical for when there when there are women characters involved when there are female characters involved um that they fall into these stereotypical roles and it was good to see that they didn't necessarily do that in this one. Yeah, uh, they actually had they actually took they actually took part and they actually had an uh, an active role in keeping the in keeping their little family or little colony alive uh, throughout all this. So that was that was good to see because it kind of broke the mold a little bit. Yeah, there's two. There was two things that really stood out to me when it going along with that is uh, one is that. In any other movie from this time period, especially, uh, you would think that the 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 more sophisticated, more upper class women would be, for lack of a better word, nagging. Uh, you know, especially you know, this is 1960s. That's that's what they would have done back then uh, to uh, some of these female characters. Uh, that they would have been complaining yeah. a lot. They would have been refusing to do manual labor because they're like, I'm not going to do that. I'm an upper class, you know, person. But it's or like, they would have pretended to be helpless. Right, but they're not like the, like these. You do get one that one moment where Elena does complain. She's like, "Oh, I'm so tired of working." And uh, and uh, uh, her aunt, Lady Mary, says, "Well, go and find a servant, and if you do, then." Uh, send that one to me and go find yourself another one for yourself. <laughs> and she's like, <laughs> that was actually good. That, that was clever. Yeah. And she says, otherwise keep working because we have to do this. And it's like, yeah, it's like you have to survive. You're stuck on an Island. This is a survival. Uh, this is a matter of life or death. You're not going to sit around and complain and complain and complain. You're going to get up and do. And I like that. They actually gave these female characters some agency which uh we, we don't get in some of other Harryhausen films uh not because of Harryhausen but just because of the writers and stuff but just in uh, some of the other films that we've talked about we don't get that in a lot of these older it came from me to see <laughs> yeah. It, yeah 
Yeah, the other thing that I really liked was the way that they treated Neb, the African-American soldier. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. He was really well done. He was a really great character. He survived through the whole movie. I, I, that, you know. <sighs> yes. It's a 1960s The black guy movie. didn't die. Yeah, it's a yeah, 1960s monster movie. And the black guy didn't die. Yes, yeah. uh, that is that is a that is an achievement. Uh, but yeah, it, I mean that's that sort of falls in line with what was going on too in the Civil War. Because if I'm not mistaken, uh, uh, please forgive. I'm, I'm I love history, but I do forget certain things. So if I'm not mistaken, there were several African Americans. Uh, there were several black people that were enlisted in the Union Army. So that does fall in line with what was going oh, on oh, yeah. culturally at that time. Oh yeah, well there was there was uh there was black soldiers on both sides, even in the Confederacy. Um, although okay. the Confederacy, it was more of like, uh, you come and fight for us because you have no choice. Um, but but either way, the fact that he was treated as an equal, he was never treated like uh, as a lesser uh member, and, and and like like yes, this is set during the Civil War, so that it's a it's a big achievement you know, to say that, oh, this, during this time period, they're treating this African-American soldier as a fellow soldier and not as a lesser person. But also this is 1961 and they're still treating, you know, like the fact that in 1961, they're treating this actor as, and, and the character in this movie, as if he is an equal, an equal part to the other characters is really interesting to me. And I, so I just, I really liked the way that he was done i like the way that the female characters were done lady mary and elena uh my favorite character though is still captain captain harding Mm -hmm. oh yeah captain harding was great he's definitely your typical leading man uh, for this type of movie but i also kind of liked his realistic kind of take too of you know he wasn't like uh you know charging in i'll save everyone i'll do this he's like look i'm the one who has authority i'm the one who has seniority i'm also the one who has the most experience so i'm going to tell you what i'm going to tell you what we need to do to survive you can either listen to me or you can go and find somewhere else to survive (laughs) and and one other thing that i noticed one uh other thing that i noticed too about his character is it it is stereo it is a trope of these 1960s movie when you have this when you have a strong male lead and who happens to be like a military captain or some or someone of that nature typically they are given the love interest for mm-hmm. the movie you know yeah and that didn't happen in this one no that didn't happen at all like they kind of they kind of kept him they kind they kept him the captain they kept him like the cornerstone of the group they kept him the leader they didn't you know they didn't distract him with like a love interest or any kind of romance plot line which i thought was sort of another way of breaking the mold a little bit, which makes this film a little bit more interesting uh, because there are tropes in the movie. Don't get me wrong, but they do, they do break those tropes from time to time. And I think that's one of them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what I, I like this, that it does kind of play around a little bit with the tropes that you expect from the, from the 1960s, 1950s types of movies. Um, the definitely, it definitely is still a 1961 movie. There's still, absolutely a lot of the same trappings that you get from a 1961 movie but there's a lot more depth 
here than than what you might get from a, from other adventure uh, movies from back in the day. And I really like that. Um, I do want to get into some some negatives because I do want to finish. I have some more positives I want to talk about, but I want to finish on the positives. We're going to do our positivity sandwich. Uh, so we're, let's get into some negatives now. Uh, one negative that I have, and you know it, I'm consistent with this. Is I was sitting in front of the TV. I was sitting in front of the TV. I was sitting in front of the TV watching this. Uh, and thinking to myself, yep, that's going to be on Travis's negative list. Yep. And yep. it is the voiceover. I don't <laughs> like voiceovers <laughs> in movies. I do not like it. I don't think it's necessary. I think that it's poor filmmaking. And it, yes, it's a trope of that time period. So I forgive it to a certain extent because, you know, I know that that's a, I forgive it more in old films than I do modern films because old films, yeah, that was, that was what they did back then, but it's so bad. And, 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 and it's not even like as much as I like captain Harding and I like the actor who played him in this, his reading of those lines is so wooden and so bland. And it's like, well, it, uh, I think it was just, it was just sort of, it, I think it was intended to be like an internal monologue, like of what was going on. Like, cause they're trapped in this, they're trapped in this balloon for what a week, I think, or right I, at a week or a yeah, little over uh, a week. I'm they're gonna, trapped in this balloon. I want to get back to the thing about the balloon too, in just a second. But yeah, yeah, no. okay, okay. The internal monologue. You're you've just escaped a a a prisoner of war camp, and you're on a balloon traveling across the country and over the ocean. And your internal monologue is: We spent four days traveling, and we faced the toughest winds this country has ever seen. It's like no, no. Your internal monologue is going to be help. Get me down from here. I want to go home. You know, it's just like, I don't know. I didn't expect him to be like that, but at least have some kind of emotional reaction to the situation that you're in. <laughs> right. Like I said, no, I get it. I get why I get why it's there. I get why they do it. And, it, and like you said, Travis, it is, a, it is easier to forgive in some of these older movies because it is a trope of the time period. Uh, I, I can, and I can totally get on board with voiceovers in modern movies. I think that it is lazy in a, in more modern movies to do a voiceover. Um, I think it is, I think that is lazy, but in these older films, when they're just trying to move the story along and, you know, maybe they don't have time to, they don't have the time, the budget or whatever to, to show you what's going on. It is easier to do a voiceover. That's true, but the voiceover in this film didn't give us any information that we weren't seeing on screen. So I don't even think that it was necessary, even in, you know, like I get like, you know, we, we reviewed, um, we reviewed uh, Beast from 20,000 Fathoms and we, we've reviewed other, you know, movies where they had the voiceover. And yeah, you're, t you're right. As much as I don't like it, 
they used it for a reason because it was kind of like they had to kind of establish things and move the story along in ways. And that was just the kind of the way they did it back then, but they didn't do Mm. that in this film. It was just there to state what was happening to the characters at the moment. And it wasn't even exploring like the emotional like feelings that the characters were going through. It was just kind of like, and we started building a boat and we set up camp inside the cave and it's like all of that stuff you're seeing happen you don't need and the the, we were, and and the jungle was and the jungle was lush with all with the with all these colorful flowers and overgrown fauna and you know they were yeah. describing the landscape at one point right yeah so so that's why i think i'm a little harsher on this one than i am on even some of the other ones even though i am harsh on all of them <laughs> i don't like voiceover in movies I, at least i'm consistent <laughs> no i know you're i will give it to you you are consistent although it, it doesn't bother me i get it like when the when the voiceover started i thought okay here's the here's the stereotypical voiceover in a 1960s creature feature okay here we go. Uh, it it does not bother me. It doesn't bug me to my core as much as it maybe does you. Eh, yeah. Um, what are some uh, what what's some negatives that you have for this film? Well, let me ask you: Have you read Mysterious Island? Uh, no, I haven't. Have you personally? Have you personally read? Okay, neither have I. Um, to the to my knowledge, Mysterious Island is supposed to be a sequel to 20,000 leagues, correct? Eh, kind of a pseudo sequel. It's not really like a direct direct sequel. Not a direct sequel. Okay. Um because one of the things that bugged me because I thought the Mysterious Island like going into it I thought Mysterious Island was a sequel to 20,000 leagues. And and I'm thinking to myself, "Wait. I just watched 20,000 leagues. I thought Nemo died." In 20,000 Leagues. Because he does die in 20,000 Leagues. I have read that one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, if this is supposed to be a sequel or a follow-up to that, then what? Uh, like, I th- I thought to myself, like, why couldn't they have just... Why couldn't they have written it in such a way that they found the nod... Like, say Herbert and... Uh, what was her name again? Sorry. Elena. Um Elena, I keep wanting to call. I keep wanting to call her Leona for some reason. <laughs> Elena, Elena, Elena. Um, Herbert and Elena find the Nautilus, and I thought it would make more sense if, say, they tried to get the Nautilus to work themselves and escape the island. That would have made more sense to me than the plot line of oh there's pirates oh the pirate oh nemo sunk the pirate ship and now they have to make the pirate ship float and i'm like okay all right like i don't know it it just kind of bugged me in a way but i was able to forgive it i wouldn't necessarily call it a negative but it was something that nagged at me a little bit considering that i just watched Twenty Thousand leagues the movie like a few days or like a week or so ago on disney plus and then I go to watch this movie and it's like, I thought this was supposed to be a sequel to 20,000 Leagues, but Nemo's still alive. Okay, whatever. Let's go with it. Um, yeah. I mean, it does. It also, it also, I mean, we have to remember, this is a completely different studio that made this film than made 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. It's true. Because this was Paramount or this, Columbia. This was Columbia and that was Disney. 
that did 20,000, mm-hmm. uh, the Kirk, the, the uh, Kirk Doug- Douglas one. Um, yeah, but I do like you do feel like Columbia Pictures that are the people who are making this movie. They wanted this to be a sequel um, because mm-hmm. they used a lot of the same designs for the Nautilus and everything like they they they, oh, they used the I think they used the exact same set piece for the Nautilus. They might have used the same set piece or at least as far as the model is concerned for the out exterior of it, they remade it to look uh, like the one from Disney. Mm-hmm. And uh, they even wanted to get the actor back who played Nemo in the Disney one uh, to play Nemo in this one. And he uh, said no. Uh, so it's like, they really wanted to make this like a sequel to that movie. <laughs> yeah. I would have rather had that actor from, from, from the Disney movie. Cause I liked him better as Nemo. I think he was a lot more believable Nemo to me, but uh, I, that's just a preference, I guess. Yeah. I mean, he was good. I also, I do like this Nemo too. Cause he is kind of an older Nemo. He's an older, more grizzled one. And, uh, and this actor. Yeah. Um, and I think this is supposed to, I mean, this is supposed to be like a time, a skip in time because you do hear our actors and actresses talking about, well, who's this Nemo fella? It's mm-hmm. like, he's a, he's a troublemaker who doesn't, who doesn't like war or who, who, who demolishes ships for no reason, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, they were talking about the history of Nemo and how, you know, he would go around destroying warships, uh, to try to end war. And then uh, obviously we're in the middle of a civil war now and it's uh, they're looking at it from that perspective. And so I would imagine there's a time skip of about, I don't know, like 20 years or so uh, to when we get to this point. The, yeah, there's there's a there's a decent time skip. Um, one of the negatives that I wanted to bring up, and it's not really a negative. It's just one of those kind of ha ha funny moments um, for me mm-hmm. is um so um so they they escape from from a camp in Virginia and they get on right. on the balloon and then right. they end up on a on a Pacific island. And I didn't right. catch that before the first time I watched it, you know, a long time ago. Well, the the many times I've watched it wasn't until fairly recently I picked up on it. Oh, they land on a Pacific island, not an Atlantic island. Uh, but, but, uh, so you live in West Virginia. I do. If you took a balloon, I think I know where the, if you took a balloon, okay. If you took a balloon from where you live in West Virginia and you traveled West, you would have to cross over the entire country of the United States. And and then and then go far enough out into the Pacific Ocean that you get lost on an island that is like the closest landmass to them is New Zealand. They say that in the movie. Yes. How the yes. heck did they on that little balloon get from <laughs> from from Virginia all the way out there in four days? I guarantee. I. I, I was gonna say I guarantee you that doing that would have taken way more than four days. Four Guaranteed. days. It took a in four, four days. In in four days, I would I don't depending on airspeed and whatever's and the weather, whatever's going on there, they may have gotten as far as say Colorado. The airspeed velocity <laughs> of the lake swallow. 
It depends on if it's a European or African swallow, though. <laughs> uh, so, no, I just, yeah, it was something so funny of like, because when they say, uh, which direction are we going? We're going west. And I'm like, wait a minute, west? Why are they going west? <laughs> like, like they get lost out in the ocean. The ocean is east from from Virginia. <laughs> Right. Yeah, they would have had. Yeah, they would have definitely had to get in, gotten into the Atlantic. Like I maybe, maybe, maybe because you know they wanted it to be Pacific. Maybe they were like maybe they wanted it to be a Pacific because so the island that they landed on was sort of a South Pacific island. The way it looked, um, so and it might maybe be that's I, what they were thinking. But it might be a Pacific island in the in the book too. Like I, I haven't read the book, so I don't know. And if it and and if it is a Pacific island, this is, and this is something taken directly from the book, then I chalk it up to the fact that well, Jules Verne was French uh, and didn't know American geography <laughs> because no, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Which I call very, bull crap on that. Which very well could right. Which very well could be the case. It very well. He, he just he just didn't know. I mean, that's whatever. It, it's a book yeah, that was yeah. written when I don't know when mysterious I was written. So, um, it was it was a book written a really really long time ago, and so he just didn't know. But if that was changed for the sake of the movie in 1961, they should have known better. Yeah. One thing that kind of bugged me, and it was I wrote it down in my notes as who's gonna seal the balloon? Yeah. So in the mo- in the in the movie, they determine that they're going to use the spoiler, obviously, but if you've not seen this movie by now, shame on you. Um in the movie, they determine they're going to use the salvaged balloon from that they that they arrived on the island on and they're going to use it basically to blow up the hull or blow it up in the hull of the pirate ship that Captain Nemo sank so that they can f- sail away to civilization on the pirate ship. Mm. But but the volcano starts erupting before they can the, the balloon the balloon is lifting the the boat. The balloon is lifting the ship. The balloon is still attached to that bamboo line that they built specifically to blow up the to blow up that balloon for the purposes of it floating. And they all like get up on their raft, take their helmets and all their gear off. And I'm thinking like no one thought to go back down under go back down into the water and seal off the balloon before they left. Well, I think, I think, Uh, I think the, the balloon was just to displace the water that was, that had filled up the interior because that was, because originally the, the plan was, yeah, but they still, but they still wanted, but they still needed to seal. They still needed to patch the hole. Well, they did. I don't think they patched the hole. Well, I, I I know. I think they did because they, they showed them building like the, the thing that they would use to patch it. And so then they just needed the hydraulic pump to pump out the water uh, and pump and force air into the ship to kind of force out the water so that it would eventually raise up. But they just didn't have the time to run the pump and pump out the water because it would take too long and the and the uh, volcano was erupting sooner than they expected. And then the captain had the idea of, well, what if we just use the balloon to do it instead? Because then the balloon can pump up a lot faster and displace the the water out of it. So I, I, I think 
I really think that it was just meant to force water out and lift the boat up to the surface. And once it was up in the surface, it, it was, the the side was patched and everything, and they could float. Okay, that makes me feel a little bit better. Not just for the simple fact that I was I was trying to work it out in my head as to okay, okay, so like when they start sailing away, that balloon is going to deflate yeah. and, and that big gaping hole, it's still going to be in the ship. So no, they, what are they going to do? Yeah, no, they got that whole patch. So once it was raised up, the boat could float on its own. It was just a matter of getting it back up gotcha. to the surface. Um, so gotcha. that's really the only negatives that I have for the film. I don't really have too many because this movie is really good. Um, oh, what I was looking I mean, at, I don't have, I don't have too many either. The thing I was Go looking ahead. up just now, um, which I, I may not include in the final episode, we could cut it out, but, but, um, so, uh, we were talking about Jules Verne, how I think Jules Verne just didn't know, uh, geography very well and that's why he was like oh you know four days to go from virginia to the other side of the country out into the pacific and everything uh and it and it reminded me of a story and i was looking up i was looking up to make sure that the story was correct um that uh uh he wrote around the world in 80 days and there was a reporter very famous famous uh female reporter named nelly bly who was given the task of trying to go make it around the world in less than 80 days to see if she could beat the 80 days that, uh, that Jules Verne had written about. And in the process, she actually afterwards did meet Jules Verne because she, he was still alive at the time. Uh, and she, I think it was only like uh, not even 30 days. I think it was only like 20 something days that she made it around the entire earth. Uh, around the entire world and and she even got like sidetracked and caught in a few places so she had to like you know there was there was a few detours that she had to make and she still made it in like less than 30 days so it just shows that Jules Verne really had no idea what he was talking about when it came to geography not not that he was a bad writer just like but that kind of explains some of the the weirdness of uh, how did they go from Virginia all the way out to where the closest landmass is, is New Zealand in only four days. <laughs> we're, we're just going to, we're just going to chalk it up to suspension of dis. We're just going to suspend our, suspend our uh, disbelief here. Yep. Um, that's all we have to do. Just, and it all work. And if we do that magically, it all works out. Yep. Uh, real quick before, just to finish on some positives or on a positive, I wanted to ask you, uh, what is your favorite, animal or giant creature in this movie out of all of the ones that appear oh, god um probably the crab because it was the most convincing okay. um because we have talked about we we have talked about and i just like seafood um <laughs> and we have talked about we have talked about how we can see a progression in Harryhausen's work throughout these movies. And one of the things that has progressed pretty consistently is the interactions between the humans and the creatures mm -hmm. and the crab, the, the crab, uh, the, the interactions between the crab and Neville and the captain are pretty seamless. Um, there's some obvious, there's some obviously blue screening and, and things that, that are there that kind of break, uh, but 
I think as far as scale and everything going on and their interactions with the maquette with the their interactions with the maquette and sort of the and the practical effects that went into making the crab work um, in close up shots, I think it all worked. And I think the crab is the the giant crab was a pretty um, is a pretty unique creature for better or for worse in the Harryhausen catalog. I mean, I like the I like the murder bird, the murder chicken uh, too. Uh, and the bee, the bee was well done. The bee looked really smooth. So I think the only, I think the only creature that I had a problem with, if I'm being nitpicky was probably the cephalopod because I, it's the same, it's the same thing with, it came from beneath the sea, those tentacle, anytime, anytime Harryhausen tried to make tentacles, they always end up looking like kind of jerky, mm-hmm. like uh herky jerky, kind of like not as smooth as they should be. Um, but they still work. So probably the cephalopod was my least favorite of the of creature to creature in the movie. And the crab was probably my most favorite just because of how, um, just because of how fluid, uh, the, but just because of how fluid it moved. Yeah. And I think the, um, I think the crab is unique too also because, uh, if I'm, I, I might be mistaken, but I think out of all the creatures in this movie, it's the only one that actually had physical, full scale props made for it. You know, the rest of them were just the, the stop motion and the, you know, and working with that, but they actually did make full scale, like a full scale claw. Well, oh yeah, that, but like there was a, you know, whatever uh, Herbert was riding on with the murder chicken, there was that, but yeah, but I I um, mean, you didn't, as far as like, yeah, it wasn't really like a, like an actual, like, prop from the animal it was more like a thing just to fill in space for the for the uh the yeah. stop motion one <laughs> i will say it is kind of funny um uh when the reporter is taking a nap on the on the riverbank and then the murder chicken shows up oh yeah you can't see anybody you can't see anybody doing this but it's obviously someone with a with a with a bird shaped thing on a stick, just kind of bouncing that thing up and down. It's like, Oh, look here. It's a shadow of a giant bird. I'm like, Oh, that's kind of funny, but yeah, you know, it is what it is. Um, my favorite of the giant creatures though, was the bee. I actually think the bee scene is still my favorite. Uh, I, when I was a kid, the thing that stood out the most to me in this movie. And the thing that I remembered the most from this movie was the scene of them getting trapped in the beehive uh by the giant Mm -hmm. bees and so that stood out to me as a kid when i would watch this movie and it stuck with me that would be the most memorable thing and even now re-watching it as an adult i'm like no that's actually still one of the best scenes in the whole movie uh so that's my favorite oh it it is and the and the way it's pulled off with like running the running the sequence backwards to make to make it look like the bill like to make it look like the bee is trapping them inside the, mm-hmm. the honeycomb. I, I thought that was really cool. Um, I real like Harryhausen does so well with insects and reptiles, um, stuff that's like sort of and like especially like dragons and things. Something that's like stuff that's like segmented. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he does really well with those things. And the bee and the crab are two things that feature in this, uh, are, are featured in this movie. The murder bird, although, although the murder bird is good, um, you know, 
it's still it's still one of those things that's kind of weird, uh, especially when you have animals with like fur and feathers. It always kind of looks a little weird because you can still see like the the fingerprints with people messing with the mm-hmm. with me, where they've been messing with the maquette, and it all come and, it, and you kind of got to you kind of got to ignore it. And I know that it might bug might bug some people when they see stuff like that because later on when we do um, when we do the later like Sinbad movies, there's a lot of animals with uh, fur, and right. so it becomes a lot more obvious. But those animals are so much smoother than the ones even in this movie uh, that you sort of just ignore it. Like the one that's coming to mind right now is, um, uh, is the tiger from the golden. I think it's from the golden voyage of Sinbad. Um, uh, the saber tooth tiger. I think it's mm-hmm. where that, I think that's where that, where that one shows up and it's really smooth and I can't wait to actually talk about that one. But, but yeah, I get it. Like the, I like the bee and I like the crab. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's go ahead and move on into our final thoughts and our Godzuki scores. So for anybody who is new to the podcast, uh, we like to rate our movies out of five Godzukis because we like to embrace the sillier side of giant monster movies. And we do that by using Godzuki, Godzilla's bumbling nephew from the 1970s Hanna-Barbera cartoon, as our yardstick for measuring these movies. And so, Michael... Out of five Godzukis, how many Godzukis do you give uh, Mysterious Island? And what are your final thoughts on the movie? Shout out to Brandon, who pointed out our commitment to the bit. Thank you. Yep. I appreciate that. Yes, we do commit to the bit. There is every, no each and bit, every time. There is no bit worth having on the podcast <laughs> that we don't commit to. <laughs> That's true. That is, that is true. Um, okay. So for me, I know that I'm, a, I'm, I know that when we talk about these Harryhausen films, I come off as very biased, which it's our show. I, it's our show. I can do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, mysterious Island is a four and a half out of five because you get a little mix of everything. You get a good, you get it. Like we talked about, this is one of the films where, you actually get a good story on top of really good effects. All the, whereas in, in other films, like the effects uh, take precedent or, or are more impressive than say the story or the characters, you actually get good characters and you actually get good story in this one in, in mysterious Island. Uh, and it all kind of just works. And so for me as, and, and like I said, this is not, this is a movie that, I don't watch all that often and I really should because it is very, very good. And I would recommend anyone who likes anything in like the fantasy adventure genre, uh, who just likes old movies in general, um, or movies based on classic books. I would say go and watch mysterious Island because it is a really, really, really good movie. So for that, I'm going to give it four out of five. Godzookies. You give it four out of five or 4.5 out of five? Oh, four point. I'm sorry. 4.5. Thank you for correcting me because in my notes, it is a 4.5 out of five. Yeah. All right. Very nitpicky. Very nitpicky things that there are very nitpicky little things that drop it down that half point for me. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm kind of in the same same boat as you. Like, this movie is absolutely a treat. I enjoy watching it. I love watching this movie any chance I get. Um, it's one of the, uh, I, I think, the three Harryhausen movies I watched the most when I was growing up was Mysterious Island, Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, and probably... Uh, Probably um, uh, Clash of the Titans would be the other one. Um, those are the- yeah, those were always on. Actually, mm-hmm. those are the ones that was always on television. Yeah, yeah. So those are the ones that I watched the most growing up, and and I really enjoy those. Um, this one, the the only downside to this one that I have, and really the the main drawback to this is that the Harryhausen effects are not as memorable as they are in other uh in other films um and that they're still they're still impressive but they're not as memorable right they are still impressive i mean it's a Harryhausen that's that's, there's no doubt that they are impressive they're just not as memorable um but that being said like we talked about the movie does make up for it by being an actual good movie an actual you know in so many times we've we've talked about Harryhausen films especially his early films that uh the movie is not so great but his effects are great uh whereas this one it's like kind of almost the opposite um where the effects are still good, but they're not as memorable, but the movie is such a fun adventure story. And it's definitely a good follow-up to 20,000 leagues under the sea. If you watch uh, 20,000 leagues under the sea, the Disney version, the Kirk Douglas version, uh, watch this movie back to back with it, because this is a good double feature with that. Um, So yeah, it It absolutely is. Yeah. It's a fun adventure movie. But because of it not being as memorable and stand out with the effects and with the with the character, the the monsters and the, the creatures, uh, I had to subtract about a point away. So I'm giving it four out of five Godzookies. But that is not to say this movie is not worth watching. It is absolutely worth watching. Absolutely. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, so now that we have finished our discussion about the mysterious island, we can move on to the next segment. And do you know what the next segment is, Michael? It's the mailbag. The mailbag. What's in the mail today? That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we finally have something to read in the mailbag. Uh, And that is a letter that we got from someone who is a friend of ours, someone we know uh, very well. So when we rip into them and and say nasty things about them, know that it's all it's all in good fun. Um, but before we do that, uh, uh, if you would like to send a letter to our mailbag, you can do that by sending it to kaijuweekly at gmail.com or at kaijuweekly on Twitter. Uh, and please, please do send us more mailbag. Uh, send us questions, send us comments, send us whatever you want because we are running out of things to read out uh so please we we need more mailbag i want to hear the mailbag theme every week and the only way to do that is if you dear listeners send us some letters um but the letter that we got uh this week was from jimmy from nasa uh, Yay! Who- Wait, hang on. Jimmy who? <laughs> uh, who uh, who is the 
a producer over at the Monster Island Film Vault podcast. And he sent us, uh, speaking in Yoda's voice, he says, the mailbag is empty, he says. Forgot I sent him an email nine months ago, he did. Uh, and yes, that's right. Jimmy sent us an email uh, nine months ago that I never read out. Um, and I'm still not going to read out, Jimmy, because I don't like uh, being told what to do. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, come on. We have to read Jimmy. Come on. We have to read Jimmy's email. No, we don't. We do not have to read Jimmy's email. <laughs> I we, yes, we do. We have to read Jimmy's email. We got an email. That's the that's the rule. If we get an email, we have to read it. Well, there was a reason I didn't read it the last time he sent it. Uh, all right, let me pull. Well, what was the reason? It could have been it couldn't have been that much of a, a big deal. It's not like, you know, Jimmy uh had a bunch of profanity, although he does get a little mouthy when he drinks. I will say that about him because I've met him in person before. Um it's yeah. not like he had a bunch of profanities in his email. Yeah, no. Uh, okay, here's the email. I had to pull it up because I didn't even include it in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say that I don't like giving in to demands and this is all this is all Michael that's doing this Jimmy uh, <laughs> you'll be fine uh, you, okay why am I uh, I just want to say we have kind of switched roles because usually you're the one who's antagonizing Jimmy now suddenly I am <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why why that suddenly <laughs> happened but okay <laughs> it's because Jimmy has dirt on me ah okay uh, yeah, you need to get those pictures of you and you know who back. <laughs> leave, leave it up to the imagination for the listener. <laughs> uh, okay, okay. His letter says, uh, and this is this is from nine months ago. This was a uh, September of last year. Uh, so, uh, oh god, that's when what we we were doing what space monster month or something like yeah, that Yeah, it was space monster month uh so he says greetings kaiju weekly before i continue i need to let michael know that during his recent visit to monster island to appear on the film vault he mistakenly said on the air that i sent feedback for monster zero when it was for 20 million miles to earth nathan wondered if he should cut it for the podcast edition but i told him to leave it in it was better material for my next jimmy's notes blog uh, anyway, what I was writing, what was I writing about? Oh yeah, the best Godzilla film ever made because it has two of my favorite people in it. Three if you count Glenn. Uh, let me explain. Nathan says I'm a raging Nick Adams fanboy. He's right. He even goes so far as to say I have a man crush on him. I won't deny that. Can you blame this me? Is true. He, bla he played one of my childhood heroes who later became my mentor at NASA. While most people could only see the dramatized version of his uh, story, it says Tori, but I'm guessing he means story, uh, I got to hear about it firsthand. It's both as exciting and less exciting than the film. Apparently, the Zillions, uh, the Zillion language, is about as dry and boring as Russ Tamblin on Prozac. But it's true. Uh, <laughs> one thing the film got right though is kumi mizuno glenn told me that indeed mm. the zillion women all look the same and they're all gorgeous but he also said none of them were like namikawa 
She'd been allowed to grow beyond the computer's programming. Her fellow ladies, while equally as beautiful, lacked her charm and personality. He did try to date one of them while serving as Earth's ambassador to Planet X, but it went nowhere fast. I think he was haunted by Namikawa's death the rest of his life. While I don't blame him, I personally would have kept trying. But then again, as Marchan said on the air, I do have a serious crush on Mizuno-san. I can totally see why Adams had a fling with her. At least he didn't mention the collection of posters I had of her in the Air Force, some of which may or may not still be hanging in my quarters on the island. Oh, Lord, I don't like where this email is going. Uh, well, give him some slack. He, give him some slack. Give him some slack, Travis. He is an old veteran, so he's entitled to. That's true. He's, he's entitled vet- to his posters. He's a veteran of the space war. Uh, but seriously, if I met a zillion woman today, I'd give it a shot. You know, for diplomatic reasons. <laughs> Of course. Anyway. For diplomatic reasons. <laughs> anyway, I need to get back to building Mechanicong Mark II and fixing the Orca for the monarch scientists on the island. The dang parts still haven't come in from China yet. I'm starting to wonder if the board is holding them up in the island's mail station. Sincerely, Jimmy from NASA, intrepid producer of the Monster Island Film Vault podcast. <laughs> Thank you, Jimmy, for that uh, well written, very graphic email. Uh, we appreciate that. And yes, Miss Kumi Mizuno is a beautiful woman. So I, I can't disagree with you there. Yeah. She's also a really decent actress. She is. Yes, she is. Yeah. Um, so that, uh, see, see ladies and gentlemen, listeners, this is what happens when you don't send mailbag letters in. I have to read stuff from Jimmy from now. Yeah. We, we have, yeah, we have to read Jimmy from NASA's email. Uh, uh, come on. So please, please send me some letters so I can read other stuff besides Jimmy's emails. <laughs> you know we're going to get like 10 more emails from Jimmy now. Oh, Lord. Uh, anyway, <laughs> again, uh, it's somebody that we are friends with. So if you're a new listener uh, and you hear us ragging on this guy named Jimmy, uh, know that we, we, we know this guy. So it's okay. <laughs> we can be mean. We can't. We kid. We kid because we love. Uh, you maybe you, but. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's hurry up and finish this episode off. Okay, so let's 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 uh, ask next week's trivia question. So we are still uh, in our ketchup month. Uh, which I really want to play the ketchup song every time I uh, <laughs> every time I say that. <laughs> um, which you're right, yeah. Uh, which means we are catching up on movies that, and stuff that uh, we were meant to talk about probably months ago, but didn't fit into the schedule, and so we're now catching up on everything. Uh, so the trivia question that we have for next week's episode is: What is Mila Jovovich? Jovovich's seventh movie based on a video game. She's been in seven movies based on video game franchises. What is the seventh one? I mean, the woman has found her niche. What can you say? Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't mind her coming back for a a, a fifth element sequel. 
maybe fifth element, but I'm done with the resident evil franchise. Let's, oh yeah. Let's no, just get it over. With. Yeah. No, no, I don't care for the resident evil, but fifth element, I would like to see a, I would, I would really like to see a sequel to that. Yeah. That'd be, I think that'd be interesting. I think the, I thought the original fifth element was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so uh, if you want to answer that trivia question, make sure to check out our social medias because that's where we're going to post this and you can answer it. And whether you give it, give us a correct answer or whether you're wrong or whether you just give us a funny answer, we'll take any of them and we'll give you a shout out next week. And so to close this episode, I'm going to say help. Uh, no, no, sorry. Jumped ahead. Oh, no, <laughs> jumped no, ahead. I forgot. You did jump ahead. You totally jumped ahead. We got to do, we got a whole list of things to, I know. to mention. I got to say, uh, thank you to everyone for listening and sharing this podcast with your friends. We are almost to 10,000 downloads. Woo! Uh, if, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at Kaiju Weekly and at Kaiju Groupie Pod. All the links to our social media, as well as for the Kaiju Groupie Facebook group, are listed in the description of this episode. You can send questions, comments, or answers to our trivia questions to our email, kaijuweekly at gmail.com. A big thank you to everyone who has supported Kaiju Ramen Magazine so far. Oh man, we are fixing to be hard at work putting everything together for issue three, which is coming out sometime in july and it's going to be a fun yes. one it's not going to be as big yes. and 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 uh and flashy as the second comprehensive one. well uh, i mean there's going to be some there's going to be some flash to it we've got a we've got a great cover already from miss kaiju hime mm-hmm. uh we've got some really great articles uh lined up i mean i'm sure the quality is going to still be there travis Come oh on. yeah the quality is going to be there it's just it's uh, w- because the second issue was so focused on godzilla versus kong and a big celebration of that movie coming out and everything so it's like yeah well now now a lot of the excitement for that has died down we've got we've still got some wonderful wonderful um artists and wonderful writers and just fantastic stuff lined up so make sure you don't miss anything if you want to find out more about the magazine check out the website kaijuramenmagazine.com and if you want to help support this podcast and get some nice bonus content if you feel like this podcast has given you some nice feels in these difficult times then you can help us out by going to patreon.com slash kaiju weekly pod and supporting us on uh, with with anything any any amount of money that you want to support us with uh we appreciate it and it will also help us in producing more content like this podcast also our bonus podcast uh which is called godzilla versus the clickbait monster which we need to record some episodes of and also my I'm the one who's been reminding you, by the way. Yeah, but I was reminding you for a long time before that. So now you know, it's like, it's like, yeah, that's true. I, yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but also uh, I've got another podcast in the works that will be coming out soon. Uh, and I will be announcing that fairly soon. Uh, and all of Ooh. the support for uh, from Patreon goes to that as well. So definitely whatever you can do to support us, we appreciate it. Patreon.com slash Kaiju Weekly Pod. And Travis, there is one more thing that people can do to support this podcast, and that's by heading on over to Apple Podcasts and leaving us a five-star review. Uh, If you leave us a review and actually 
leave us an actual review. Don't just leave us a, a rating and then not say anything to us because we like to hear from you. If you do that and you leave us five stars worth, we will read that response. We'll read that feedback on a future episode. And what that's going to do is that's going to put this show in front of other kaiju, tokusatsu, and giant crab monsters, crab monster lovers just like you. Uh, so yeah, go over to Apple Podcasts and give us five stars and feedback because it's really, really important. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Yep. And to close out the episode, I'm going to say again, uh, <laughs> help control the giant animal population. Have your murder chickens spayed or neutered. Mm. I bet they do taste good. Oh, that's enough. Bye, guys. Bye.